Hello and welcome back to The Duchess and the Baron. I'm the Baron. And I'm the Duchess. Uh, this is episode 28, so uh, welcome back or welcome to the show. Why are you giggling? <laughs> <laughs> no, no reason. This is about our fifth take for this intro, so. Yeah, um, it is the fifth take. I am struggling with words uh, today. Uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, we are a British-American couple, uh, the Duchess is very passionate about the royal family, and I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, I think I've turned you to maybe be a royalist. Definitely, definitely getting there. Definitely got a lot of respect for um, all the hard work that they do and the scrutiny that they're under. Um, you can also find us uh, on now at www.dutchandbaron.com. This is our new website. It's been out for two or three weeks. Um, we have a lot of our content on there, links to the podcast, but if you're listening, I guess you know where to find it. Uh, we also have um, a great blog that we are updating, probably two or three posts a week um, with original content. Um, we also have some merchandise, not flogging it, um, but it is pretty cool. We did mm-hmm. do the designs. I yeah. like it. Like we had, what was one that you came up with? Recollections may vary. Yeah, then we have a sweater and kind of Lululemon style vest. Um, and then we have some coronation mugs based on the Dutch and Baron cover. Um, we also, our Instagram, where Duchess, yeah. do you want to take over for a hot second here? So yeah, I can we're, yeah, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, threads, basically all of them at Dutch and Baron. Where we post a lot of the content and try and keep up with um, the royals there. Yeah, so. we're like the succession family. Just taking over media. <laughs> yeah, we're the sh- we're just there. We don't run anything, but yeah. And then look, the YouTube stuff. Um, I'm going to be developing some uh, longer YouTube videos that we're going to in depth about some things. So our topic today uh, is going to be on uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Ooh, is there a song for that? No, but you remember the movie? Yes. Yep, I know what yeah. you're talking about. So we're going to be talking about royal travel uh, mm-hmm. and all the aspects of it from the different modes and the logistics behind it. That's our main topic. Um, and then uh, we obviously have royals out and about, royal down history. Mm-hmm. Anything else that I'm missing, Dutchie? No, that's about it. Am um, I right in saying not this next week? Is it two weeks? We do have a couple of guests come in from the UK. It's probably a month from now. A month from now. Okay, so that's <laughs> going to be an exciting one. But I'm, this this one, at least for the main topic, is really interesting to, to kind of what goes into all of the royal travel. I definitely mm-hmm. learned a lot as I was reading about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, we can get right into it. So we can do our royal day in history. So we are recording on Monday, July 24th, but we're actually not going to do an event on this actual day, but two days ago, because it was a very big, important event. Um, It was Prince George's 10th birthday Mm. on July 22nd, 2013. Yeah, yeah, who, as we all know, is going to be the future king. Um, But yeah, I'll just kind of go through some fun facts about his birth and birthday. Uh, yes, so he was born at 4.24 p.m. on July 22nd, 2013, and he was born in the Lindo Wing Lindo Wing of St. Mary's Hospital in London, and do you want to guess how much he weighed? 62 pounds. Not quite. A little lower than that. Okay, um, 9.92. Nine hmm, 
Eight pounds, six ounces. So he's a pretty good sized baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some I, would call him chubby. I'm kidding. I don't think you can say that about a king. All babies are chubby. <laughs> so a little fun fact about this, though, is Kate, he is the only baby that Kate actually stayed overnight at the hospital with. All her, with Charlotte and Louis, she went home the same day. And left the kids there? No, of course not. Of course, oh. she took her children. Um, but yes, with George, Wait, so it was the same on. day they went home with the babies. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? Well, I was trying to kind of think of it, um, you know, kind of. And at first, <laughs> well, at first I was like, yeah, that would be a lot. But if you think about all the help that they have, whether they're at the hospital or not. Um, it doesn't really matter. And there's yeah. probably security. Yeah. Oh, of course. So I think here it said for George, uh, there was a 23-member medical team that were on call three months prior to the birth in case extra assistance was required. So they had three, yes, two, three. Jeez. So I'm sure when she went home, they had a lot of help too. Probably a night nanny, I would guess, take the baby at night. I'm not sure on that. Maybe they did that, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she wants to be just comforts of going home. Of course, of course. And I think I saw something where she was conscious of with them being at the hospital, kind of created a bit of a friend frenzy. So if you thinking about other mothers that are about to give birth and things like that, I think she wanted to take away some of that unnecessary stress, but which is very thoughtful. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So happy birthday to Prince George. That's our Royal Day in history two days ago. Yeah. Um, interesting. A decade has passed. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like, I feel like it hasn't been that long. No, and I think obviously the next decade, probably see more and more of him, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, of course. Yes, he's in the double digits now. Yeah, that's that's what 10 is. <laughs> yep. Okay, um, and now we'll go on to our royal events of the week. So this week, or not, not just this week, uh, the Prince and Princess of Wales, they are on their royal, not royal, summer holiday... It's always uh, royal, whatever they do. Yes. So you're not incorrect. <laughs> but they're on their summer holiday. The kids go back in September, I believe. So we probably won't really be seeing any of them. Um, but we have been seeing the other royals. And the royal family uh, social media has been good about kind of covering more than just the king and queen. At least for this last week, which is really nice to see. They're doing like full coverage. So we have a, a little event with... Princess Anne that we're going to start with. And we also have one with one of my favorites, the Duchess of Edinburgh. Okay. Yeah. So first we'll start off with the Princess Royal or Princess Anne. So she is the patron of the Dural Wildlife Conservation Conservation Trust and has been in Jersey as part of the Dural Wildlife Conservation Trust tortoise takeover celebrations. That, try and say that like 10 times fast. All Two these times. names are ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Anything that they're a patron of. Um, yes. So she's been part of the celebration, cele- celebrating the Jersey tortoises. And kind of what that means. So the tortoise takeover is an island-wide sculpture trail with colorful, inspiring, and thrilling works of art that will lead people on a trail to see the tortoises and their home on the island. So that's pretty cool. But you didn't realize we had... No, I mean, they're pretty... I mean... 
Here, I am showing the Baron right now, one of the sculptures. Pretty cool. So, do you know... Uh, Beautiful fun, art. Let's say a fun fact about Jersey. But it's not really a fun fact at all. Um, Jersey is the only part of Britain that was conquered during World War Two by the Nazis. Mm. Not for very long either. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so during her visit, she saw Sanctuary, one of the giant tortoise sculptures designed to mark 50 years of her ho- Royal Highness's patronage. Patronage. I cannot speak today. And it's then the she alcohol. <laughs> just water today. <laughs> Nothing exciting. Um, her Royal Highness later opened the tortoise tunnel at Jersey Zoo, a state-of-the-art enclosure for four giant Aldabra tortoises. So the Charities Island Restoration Program in Mauritius has been working to restore vital ecosystems that have been lost due to the extinction of native tortoises. So nice seeing Anne there. Do you have any questions on that? Nope. Okay. Um, So next we are going to go to the King and Queen. So last week they hosted a reception to celebrate the contribution of William Shakespeare to the life and culture of the UK in the year marking the 400th anniversary of the publication of the first folio. What? Do you know what that is? No. (laughs) So their majesties also were accompanied by the Duchess of Edinburgh and Duke and Duchess of Gloucester, and they saw some short performances given by some actors and musicians from the Royal Shakespeare Company, and they also met later on with some of the actors and musicians uh, at Windsor Castle. Well, Charles is very into, well, he was into, yes. again, based on the crown. Yeah. He was very much into Shakespeare. and. Yeah, so a little bit more about the first folio. Published in 1623, contains 36 plays, 18 of which would have been lost without its publication. A copy of the first folio is held in the Royal Library at Windsor Castle and was on display during the reception. Oh, wow. That's yeah. incredible. So I'm just showing him some pictures. It's just on the royal family websites. Uh, you see Duchess of Edinburgh. She has a very nice outfit on. She looked really nice. It, yeah. It's um, it's almost like kind of an Indian style, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Like a sari. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has some intricate details Judy Dench well. is there. Yep. She's there. The Tempest. <laughs> which is your um, favorite Shakespeare play? Hmm. Um, you go first. How many Shakespeare plays <laughs> do you know? <laughs> I know a few. Excuse me. Um. What is my favorite? My my favorite is the Merchant of Venice. I don't. I, I haven't read that one. Um. It's. It's a his. Well. Um. It's about uh, a Jewish merchant called uh, Shylock. Mm-hmm. Um. That basically wants what he's owed after um, a duke's ships go down in the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's all about, this, it's like it's like a, a legal Shakespearean drama. Oh. So it's pretty cool. It, it's, it's a good. A legal one. Do you mean like in, uh, like Ally McBeal, your favorite show? Yeah. Uh, I mean, back <laughs> for those times, it was, yeah, they had a judge and they were talking about the um, what is owed and it talks about uh, a pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. Is old. I mean, this is this is a spoiler alert, but basically, the um, Shylock can take a pound of flesh from the Duke if you know if his ships or his payments not paid. 
Um, but he can't take anything less or anything more than the pound. This is kind of what the judge mm-hmm. says. So if there's a drop of blood more or less, then he's basically going to be convicted of um, potentially murder or uh, like assault. So so he can't do it. He kind of gets, he realizes that they've kind of put him in a, a bind and that he's just lost a lot of money. Um, and then also there's, you know, back then Jewish individuals weren't liked. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a good, good play. I didn't know you knew that. You knew this much about Shakespeare plays. Yeah, we. I mean, I read them a lot um, because of, you know we had to at school. Um, mm-hmm, but yeah. When I got a little bit older, my dad used to take me to so um, Royal Shakespeare Company RSC. Are you talking about in Stratford upon Avon, which um, is where I th- where Shakespeare passed? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, had the Globe Theatre in London, mm-hmm. but I, it, you know he's known for for Stratford, that beautiful, um, beautiful town. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Merchant of Venice. Um, I do like the Tempest as well. Okay, I like the tw- Twelfth Night. Oh, with yeah. the uh, the ass and the fairies, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and this is going to be really sad that I am. Uh, I'm admitting this, but you, you know, know the, the, she. The Twelfth Night. Is? No, you know she's the man. The movie. Oh wait, I'm thinking Midsummer's Night's Dream. Yes. What which one's the twelfth night? So you is know that, she's the man. Oh yeah. Oh, is it like? Um, is it has it like got Caliban in it and something like Lucario or something like that? I think so. In in the the actual play, but she's the man. I know exactly yeah. you're thinking about. Um, oh, it's based off that, which that's what probably made me like it. Why can't I think of his name? Duke. What's oh, and she's the man. Is <laughs> Duke. Yeah, but what's his the actor? Oh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and Amanda Bynes. It. But yeah, Duke because he's like Classic. Duke or Sarah or something like that. Classic. Yeah, it is actually quite cool. That I do remember. I uh, yeah, I do remember seeing that in the movies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay. So besides, I guess a movie portraying something because it was a modern adaptation, right? Um, I'd probably have to go for a classic of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> wow. Spoiler yeah. that you chose that hey, one. Hey, well, that one also, there are movie adaption, uh, adaptations of it. And isn't there one with... Um, Leo. Leo, exactly. So I just like the ones that have good movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, is, it is good. It is good. It's really... Yeah, my dad showed me that one as well. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to what you were saying. So The King and Shakespeare, right? Uh, so he did become president of the RSC in 1991 and is known to take keen interest in Shakespeare, having performed in plays whilst at university, which we did see that in The Crown. Gosh, that is a perk, right? Imagine you can be a patron of anything. Yeah, yeah. You just like choose, well, for me to be soccer, right, or football. And mm. Just Yeah, just do everything like that. Just get to know the English football players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that so that was really a nice event to see. When I first actually saw the headlines, um, for some reason I thought like William was going to be there. I saw like a Prince of Wales, and maybe it was actually they were talking about King Charles, maybe when he was Prince of Wales. But I was like, oh, we're actually going to see William, and I got really excited. And then I read it again, and I was like, oh, just kidding. It's just Charlie boy. Yep. Well, well that, and, and Queen and and Sophie. So, 
That's a, oh. Mike literally drops. Difficulties. Okay. Um, so moving on, we're going to move on to Sophie. And again, this is awesome. The royal family is showcasing some of the other royals because they usually just do kind of the king, queen, and Kate and Will. Um, so the Duchess of Edinburgh, she visited the Driftfield Show in Yorkshire. Do you know that? You're from Yorkshire. It rings a bell. Show The show is the largest one-day agricultural show in the UK, attracting more than 30,000 visitors from the local farming communities okay. to families and competitors in everything from livestock classes to dog with the waggiest tail. Yeah, we, we, we knew it as a, I know it as a Yorkshire show, the Great Yorkshire oh. Show. Oh, um, your, your sister was in it. What? Didn't she? She may have done. I'm pretty sure she did. Maybe she saw Sophie. Maybe. Well, she's the one that's going to be on the show in a couple. Well, it, it moves. So we'll uh, it moves around oh, okay. Yorkshire. The the actual the location. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm, nice. Yeah. So Her Royal Highness serves as the president of the Driftfield Agricultural Society during this centenary. Cent- centenary. <laughs> yeah. Year. Um, so, and this is part of her continued commitment to support farmers and growers. We've seen a lot of events that she does is around agriculture and, and things like that. So, but um, she presented livestock prizes there, made pizza with school children, and met with volunteers contributing to the show. Mm. So, nice to see Sophie there. It's a big you cow. That's a big bull. Some really nice photos. Have you, did you post on this one? No, I, no, I did not. We were on vacation. Ah. But some really nice photos of her. It looked like it might have been raining. Unique. <laughs> I think it's disappointing if it isn't. No, apparently last last week was bad, um, bad weather in the UK. Oh yeah, that's okay. So last but not least, we have the king. So the king had two events today. I'll only be talking about one, um, but he joined veterans of World War II to commemorate the 80th anniversary of Operation Chastise at the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. So RAF BBMF maintains and operates 10 historic and irreplaceable aircraft in memory of those who have fallen in the service of this country. So there's some really good photos and videos of him touring it and meeting with the veterans, which is awesome to see. Because these are veterans of World War II, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, where, where was this, sorry? That was today. Where? where? Um, at the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. Did it say the based town? based at? I'm gonna Royal Air Force Coningsby. Okay. Coningsby is am I saying that right? Yeah, you, yeah, I think you are. Yeah. Yep. So, Royal Air Force. So yeah, so that was a a neat little event that he had. He also did tour like a cheese farm today as well. But you can find out more about that on um, the Royal Family site. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Could you uh, could you just do me a quick favor and pass my uh, phone? I'll need it for a little segment later. Oh sure. You threw it on the floor. Yes, I'm going to go get it. Okay, no, so wait, I didn't throw it on the floor. I, I put it on the chair. Oh, is it on the chair? Yes. Uh, that I can reach? Maybe. 
Can you reach it? Yes, I have it right oh, here. Oh, there you go. All right, okay. Um, are we doing the main topic? Yes. All right, okay. So um, this is probably going to be a quicker episode than we usually do, which is it's probably good. So um, I've always been just interested in thinking about the logistics and how the royals travel, and it is interesting to, to think about the, the decadence of it. Um, what I would compare it to, though, is this, um, when I'm talking about this stuff, that the royals have come under a, a decent amount of pressure to be more environmentally uh, conscious uh, and eco-friendly when they are thinking about how they plan their trips. But it, I would say it's comparable to uh, the US president in terms of how many you know, modes of transport they have. Excuse me. N- now, I'm not saying that there's... The US president has a lot more political worth than the royal family does, right, in terms of of power and just knock-on effect of how much security. But th- there is also something that I have been thinking about as I have been going through this research. Harry may have somewhat of a point. Okay. Interesting. To why he was pushing for the security, because it, it, it's not just basic security. Mm-hmm. There is a, there is a, a lot. Um, but again, anyway, won't get into too much of the details. So, um, what uh, do you know of their main modes of transport? Obviously, this episode's called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but um, what do you know about the Royals and their transport modes? They have trains. They have a train? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it called? Royal Train. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You think it'd have something like a cool name like Tabitha or... Yeah. Esmeralda. Mm. No, it's just Royal Train. <laughs> classic. Yeah, it's a classic one. Um, They have airplanes. Does a Hogwarts Express have like a... a, a I think it's just name? Hogwarts Express. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, They have airplanes. Yep. And cars. <laughs> yeah, so t- t- tell me about the, the airplanes. Um, Private jets. Yeah, that's it. Well, they also take it. commercial, depending on... Which if you're Harry, is. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, yeah, and then so jets, train, vehicles, Range Rovers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what type of other cars? There's two. two well, more. I know King Charles. He has that classic vehicle that runs on wine and cheese. I don't know what kind of car it well, is. I didn't know about that. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. He has a. Seems a waste. He, well, he's trying to be environmentally friendly. You've got to think about how, oh, what goes into making wine. <laughs> that is a waste. Well, you'll, you'll have to write him a letter. Unless it's gas station wine. It could be. I mean, I don't know how good the wine is. Like that's kind of a, a, a pun. Because you're at the gas station and oh. you're topping up your car. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, there's two other types of um, cars. Well, these have a yacht. Oh. That, that the, the kind of famous for of, of driving through. Rolls Royce. Yeah. That's the one. So, you've got Range Rover, Rolls Royce. There's one more. Um, the Land Rover. Yeah, do you remember what it's called? Uh, the Defender. Yeah, nicely uh. done. Okay, so you got all the three main vehicle choices that they have, uh, and obviously they have some that are customized depending on what the event is. Uh, and then you, you just about to say the yacht. Yeah, yeah, but that's been decommissioned. Do you so. remember what year? Nineteen. I don't know. <laughs> in the 90s 1998 close 97 okay that was my second guess ah well 
should have guessed it first. Um, yeah, so it's so really uh, a myriad. And we've been on the uh, Royal Britannia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Edinburgh. It's, it's worth it, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really neat to go. I think now that we've been doing the show, it would probably be worth going to see it again and just mm-hmm. probably would recognise certain things or probably appreciate certain aspects of it mm-hmm. more. But it's a, yeah. it's, it's a big... It's a big boat. Yeah. Or a big yacht. Um, cool. So let's talk a little bit more. The, the, the main mode of transport, um, which is going to be more highlighted, has been the train. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is a really unusual mode of transport because um, in the US we don't really go on trains, right? Mm-hmm. But in the UK it's quite a common mode of transportation. So there isn't actually one engine or locomotive that is always like you. So you think about Hogwarts Express, it's got the livery, it's got, it says Hogwarts Express. That's not actually part of the Royal Train. Okay. The Royal Train is only the carriages. Okay. And the, or the saloons, as they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are about eight of them. Okay. So as you can see in some of the Crown, they have bedrooms, mm-hmm. bar areas, um, but they're tipped up on security as well. So they have what they call advanced communication systems in each of the carriages so that they can mm-hmm. stay connected to the outside world. Um, also, their routes are never told until the very last minute. Okay. Um, now, some people are frustrated because it kind of delays some of the other train traffic. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you yeah. kind of, they, they probably don't do it. Well, I mean, at, at some point they might not be to avoid it, but if you're coming into rush hour, and they're going through, say, Birmingham, which is the, the second city. Mm-hmm. It might be delayed because yeah. the Royal Train's going over. Um, but would something be a pain. It would be a pain. But something that I thought was really cool um, was that in 2020, uh, Will and Kate toured the UK on it. Oh, uh, nice. To thank everybody for the help and commitment um, for COVID. Okay. And mm-hmm. they thought, uh, and this is where Did I they think... they have the kids with them? Um... I don't believe so because of COVID was still very, mm-hmm. you know, rife at the time. Um, but also, the the trains often seen as a most most eco friendly when there are entourages. Um, it, they can apparently get to more remote places because of it, which I mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought would have been a would have made sense. But I guess the, the train tracks are everywhere in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also for security, it's a big plus. Yeah, because you know, if you're in a car or or even if you're on a plane, um, they're a little bit more of an easier target. Mm-hmm. So that's from a security issue, they don't need as much support. Um, okay. So, gotcha. so yeah, so the tra- the train is like the Royals' number one mm-hmm. preference of uh, transportation. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, I, I, I think. I mean, Interesting. Classic, and I guess. Hazardous a guess of where the royal train started, like which monarch started the royal train. Um, I, I'm not sure. Eighteen forty-two. Queen Victoria. Yes. Ah. Snap some points. <laughs> yeah, eighteen forty-two. Um, and then it's become obviously like a, a tradition. Her uh, first trip was from London to Windsor. Okay. Um, so not a well, long haul. Yeah, that's a quick trip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but since then, so nearly 200 years of the, the Royal Train. <laughs> wow. I blame that one on you. <laughs> you butch the table. Uh, don't we have a 
different microphone now? No, this is the the world class microphone. This oh. is a Shure, but the um, okay. the appendage for it doesn't go on this table. Okay, because of the the lip of it. Um, apologies. Okay, so um, outside of that, the other big piece uh, is RAF Squadron Number Thirty Two. So if you do see footage um, of RAF Royal Air Force, that's right. Yeah. So Royal Air Force, um, that's the you know what fought the Luftwaffe in the uh, Battle of Britain. Mm-hmm. So Royal Air Force, it has um, you predominantly see you know when they did the, the trips on the crown. There's certain planes that look has certain livery. Typically, that's the aircraft um, squadron. They have a few different aircrafts that would take, and they're based uh, take the royal family. And they're based in London. The other one, which is known as uh, RAF Voyager, mm-hmm. um, it used to be more like a military grade. It's a military class plane. It can, um, so for the fighter, um, fighter pilots, it can fuel them in the air. Okay. So are these, do, does the royal family own these, or do they just get them like on loan from the Royal Air Force? It's, that's a good question. They don't own them. Okay. They don't own them. Obviously, it's like the, the royal, royal Mail isn't owned by the Royal Family. The Royal Air Force is a... a, a oh, no, I mean the airplanes. Does the Royal Family own no, the airplanes? They, they still don't. Okay. It's public spend. But because they're used for diplomatic um, pieces and things like that. But they do they own the train then? Yes. They own the carriages. Okay. But not the locomotive. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the only other uh, plane, obviously there's like private ones, depending, you know, what... Uh, Private jets, depending on what the travel uh, arrangements are. But outside of that, there is a, a, a massive kind of Air Force One that the UK has, which I didn't know about this, um, called RAF Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it was in like military grey, and then they've just changed the livery to like kind of a Union Jack and White. Um, but that is predominantly used by the PM, Prime Minister. Okay. But does have some use by the Royal Family as well. Oh, cool. but I didn't. I didn't know about this, but Voyager, um, pretty cool. Obviously, it was a Star Trek name mm-hmm. for one of their ships. But if you had to name the Royal Jet, what would you call it? Duchess. That's, that's pretty good. It is pretty good. What would you name it? Baron. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I have a few ideas. Oh, that's right. That's a page turn. <laughs> um, so you didn't see the Sky Jewel. <laughs> or <laughs> the jewel in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very your dad joke there. He'd be proud. He would. He would. Um, also, Excalibur. Okay. Because of King Arthur. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get that. Charlie Wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Cam Flaps, because of the, the, the wings. <laughs> okay. Um... So uh, would you have, like, if you did King Arthur, you need to have some knights. You need to have more planes around here. Yeah, those would be the fighter pilots. Oh, okay. That that kind of track it. So, yeah, so I guess uh, the Sky Jewel or Excalibur would be my two. Okay. Pretty good, eh? I like the Sky Jewel. Yeah, the Sky Jewel works. How about the Sky Diamond? No, that's just copying. (laughs) Um, I did put Diamonique, though. (laughs) As the name, RF Diamondique. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd R- go for R-E-F that one. Bling. 
Oh, yeah. Why are you going for all of these jewel bling names? Oh, I don't I mean. know. Crown, jewels, <laughs> yeah, associated with that. the royal family. I get that, but I don't know. Semantic field, why, why do you not think Top that's a... Top jewel. No, I, I was just wondering. Oh, it's because it's, we, we, we do a, a podcast called Duchess and the Baron about the royal family, and it's about <laughs> things like crown jewels. So that, that's really the I, reason. I get it, I get it. Um, okay, so so let's uh, the the second and kind of last part to the royal travel piece mm-hmm. um, is the logistics, and this part that I was really interested in. So we we've talked about the the members of staff that the royal family has, and it's it's huge. You know, it is its own um, medium sized business. Um, so firstly, you have the royal travel office, mm-hmm. and the royal travel office basically. Before, you know, months before a trip, especially if it's like a, a trip to Australia, Canada, New Zealand, like a tour, you're talking six to 12 months out mm-hmm. that they're really assessing things um, and, and kind of just understanding what potential risk there's going to be. Then before that trip happens with the royals, they have um, a protection squad. That, okay. that goes out there and looks at all the potential security threats, speaks to the Commonwealth Office uh, in that particular country mm-hmm. and lo- looks at all the risks. They're also known um, as the advance team as well that goes mm-hmm. across. So typically that could be a month, two weeks out, depending mm-hmm. on, on the nature of it. Um, then the Royal Travel Office, and this is kind of in, in order of, of how a trip would be planned. As you get closer... Um, the Royal Travel Office then briefs the royal family members or the members that are going on etiquette, dress code for each, common, mm-hmm. you know, wherever they're going in the Commonwealth. That makes sense. Now, I did actually have a look at, you know, was there any blunders um, with, you know, kind of cultural blunders in the past where they've gone on one of these visits and they've worn, you know, something that's, you know, very inappropriate have they mm-hmm. done a excuse me like a hand gesture or let somebody walk in front of you know what i mean i thought well there must have been right because there's always i think there's been certain companies that have tried to um like break into the chinese market and I, i'm not going to remember this absolutely correctly but it might have been like boeing or airbus and they released a new plane in china on on each of the seats they put um like a certain flower, and let's mm. just say it was a red rose. Now in China, and again, this this might not be accurate, but it was something similar. In in, in China, the red rose means is the flower of death. So mm. just about mm. as they were going on, they all would be given a flower of death on this plane journey, yeah. and it was just m- mainly just um, understanding the cultural environment mm-hmm. piece of it. But there wasn't anything that I found so at the royals that they've had any blunders. Now they should not, not like big blunders. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the scandals, but not to do with well, travel. Well, because like Prince Philip, sometimes well, when he, he would go to some countries, well, he wasn't he, he would say, 100% uh, kosher. PC. Yeah. Right. And, and that was a lot of the time was more when um, they actually came to visit the UK. Okay. Rather mm-hmm. than him going over and saying something in, in that country that was inappropriate. It was usually when he'd have, you know, uh, dignitaries visiting the palace. So mm-hmm. he just probably felt a little bit more comfortable there in his slippers, mm-hmm. with a you know a few racial slurs here and there. Well, I remember there was a, a royal event or a royal visit that 
Kate and Will did earlier this year, and it, and it was just in the UK, and I don't remember the exact details of it. Um, but I think, what was it? She she had a little blunder, and I think I think she put her hand up to shake the man's hand, but I think in the culture that he was in, like, w- women don't shake, you know. Women don't have hands. No, <laughs> you know, that that wasn't. Appropriate. Appropriate. Okay. Um, but it, it was very slight. Like it wasn't like like you could kind of tell quickly. She kind of realized she, and uh, yeah, okay. correct corrected herself. Um, well, if anybody knows, mail in to us um, on threads if what that specific one was, or if you know of any other cultural blunders mm-hmm. of like the, the only one that I can think of is the the trip to um, the Caribbean. Oh yeah, which was. Um, not really conscious of the times, right? They were saying it's yeah. a little too extravagant. Mm-hmm. Um, for no, no, no. I think, well, I think that was part of it, but I think there was a, um, there was the history kind of the the rate with racism and things like that. That's that's where that backlash came oh, from. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily the. It wasn't like the expenditure or anything okay. like that. It was more of just what the 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 past, you know? Right. What yeah. was kind of okay. So yeah, so usually like you know this this team the, the Royal Travel Office seems to do a, a pretty. Uh, so I found sorry not no, to sorry, interrupt, no, that's, that's um, but I found when it happened earlier this year. So it was in March 2023. Um, so it was a community l- leader, and she stuck her hand out, but ended up, but he he did not take it. He he refused the handshake, but still it was very subtle. Um, they visited the Hayes. Muslim Center in West London to meet volunteers who were helping send aid to Turkey and Syria following the recent earthquake. And you can see them meeting local community leaders on arrival. Um, and then you could see Iman Sufyan Iqbal. I don't know if I'm saying yeah, yeah, that. It's, uh, um, you can see him shaking Prince William's hand, but when the princess reached out, he placed his hand on his chest and bowed. Um, so she quickly copied his gesture and withdrew her hand and she bowed her head and remained smiling. So, I mean, very quick, like, but. Was he, was he nice about it? Yeah. So it just said that he, um, when the princess reached out, he placed his hand on his chest and bowed. Oh, okay. So he. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Like it's, not, it's not like kind of he's not making a, a scene out of like yeah. just looking at your hands, like how dare you show your hand. Yeah, it was it, just kind just of like, like yeah. you know, little yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, look. Yeah. Um, so um, outside of that, the, the kind of the next step is when they've briefed them on the etiquette and stuff. Now, if they've been in the a working senior role for a while, they'll probably have a good idea or or can remember what. Um, I mean, I, I know we've, gosh, I know we reference the crown a lot, and I know it's not a hundred percent fact. But at least for Elizabeth, I know she, she was very passionate about the Commonwealth. That was her thing. Um, she was seemed to be taught a lot on the Commonwealth and on the Empire um, as a, a child, right, in, in terms of her education. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see how much that kind of continues. I'm, sh- I'm sure it does. Um, outside of that, then it's the press team. The, the press and public relations teams um, arrange those uh, the kind of the transparency meetings till... Uh, no local press, what they can ask, how long they're going to be here, those shots, mm-hmm. not actually ask questions because they don't really ask questions, do they? Well, yeah, I guess they kind of do, but it's more... Um, it's more the shots that they get. It's more the shots, but every so often you might hear uh, kind of a journalist ask, um, like when, when Charles and Diana got engaged, 
But whatever love is. <laughs> that was like an interview, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But that wasn't like walking about and then. But people have asked them, you know, with a yeah. it's like, oh. Anyway, I haven't got an example, but you know what I mean. So then there's a press and public relations team that kind of come in. Uh, and then finally, you have the uh, protection squad again, um, which has contingency plans for predominantly uh, weather or political changes that yeah. could um, pose yeah, a threat. Yeah, they need to change, yep. And that then they have all these contingencies. So it is... Um, like a well-oiled machine, mm-hmm. but there is a lot and months and months of preparation depending um, on when that is. So the, the, obviously they're looking at the agenda and the itinerary constantly to think, you know, as we kind of do rolls out and about, they're out and about all the bloody time. So if you yeah. think about that constant, what I is mean, the security piece? What kind of mm-hmm. threats are there going to be? I mean, most of the time they're in the UK. They are, but, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, this just kind of, as we've been talking about this, um, I just think about when Sophie, the Duchess of Edinburgh, went to visit Baghdad, like, and that wasn't, and she's a senior working, she's a senior royal mem- working royal member, um, but right, but she's not, you know, the king or queen, yeah. or Kate or Will, but, she, but she's still obviously kind of the next in line, um, but I know they didn't announce that till. Basically, she was there. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I can't imagine how much work went into that just for two days. Yeah, I, I think I'll share that with Baghdad. There'll be a huge security protocols mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you kind of mentioned that if they're doing a trip, obviously there's going to be security. There's going to be a lot of detail and attention that goes into it. So those UK trips, potentially, are, it's, it's a, need, uh, a threat that's not considered as much, so they really have to be on top of it. Of course. Um, so anyway, I thought that was like kind of an interesting piece. So there is going to be a, a blog post that follows this if you want to go into a little bit more detail. I'll just recap. Um, and if you've got any ideas for um, the RAF Voyager rename, um, currently we are going with the Sky Jewel. <laughs> uh, anything to add, Duchess, anything coming up next week or things that you're looking forward to with the Royals? No, I mean, I think that was a really good topic for this week. I definitely learned a lot about how they travel. Again, Kate and Will are on vacay, uh, but hopefully we see more of the, the king and queen. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll choose our topic next week. I don't know. We've also thought going kind of along this the same vein of, you know, how do the royals make money? Now, how do they travel? We have talked about, which we may or may not do, maybe how do they spend their money, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We might do that. We might not. Let us know if that that would be something that would interest you. Oh, we might have just a, a completely new trivia series coming up or something yeah. completely different to just spice things up as the royals uh, take their vacation. Yes. Yeah. Because we just not as much content with them on vacation. Um, but again, thank you everyone for listening. If you like this episode, please give us five stars and a review um, and follow us on all the socials. Dutch and Baron, and thank you again. Yep, so playing us out is the Duchess's apparently favorite Shakespeare film, a film. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, yeah, well, play. Uh, Desiree's Kissing You. <laughs> <laughs>